in the horror genre. I'm your host, Nicole, and it's time to share another dark tale. Welcome back, friends. I hope you're all having a lovely spooky season. Um, I know I am. I've been watching some of my favorite movies. I've had a couple salted caramel mochas, and I've got that pumpkin candle burning pretty much every night. So last year, I did a really fun Halloween episode in which I hosted a virtual Halloween party with a few of my spooky friends. And I wasn't sure what to do this year, but uh, after some thought, I decided that witches would make a fantastic theme for our very special Halloween episode. And I'm always looking for an excuse to include other women in horror into the podcast. So I've invited friends of the pod, Natalie and Sunny, to join me on this one. Welcome back, ladies. Woohoo! Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We've been like texting and uh, messaging each other like all week. I'm watching this. I'm watching this. OMG. Um, I think there are things on this list that we had all either never seen before or hadn't seen in a while. So this was like good excuse to watch some of that. But thanks so much for being here today, guys. Um, I know everybody is busy and I know everybody has Zoom fatigue, but we like we got to make time to talk about horror with our friends, especially during this time of year. So like, are y'all ready to get witchy today? Uh, yeah. Born ready. Always ready to talk about witches. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I wanted to start off the conversation with like things that we watched when we were a kid, because I feel like witches um, were really introduced to us in the form of like fairy tales. You know, there was always like the wicked stepmother or like the ugly witch in Disney movies. And then, of course, you know, you have the good witch and the bad witch in Wizard of Oz. But uh, are there any characters or stories that you specifically remember from when you were a kid that featured witches? I always loved witches, the movie, The Witches. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the first time that I ever saw, um, I don't know, witches in that light as like purely evil because you don't really come across a relatively, quote, good witch till the very end. Yeah. Um, and the permanence that they can have, like the high witch was, you know, chasing the grandma for like her whole life. And the fact that they were for real, just going to turn children into mice forever. And I was just like, oh, that kid's going to be a mouse forever now, huh? Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know. And also like the transformation and everything always really stuck with me. Like whenever I hadn't seen it in a long time, um, just the, the visual of her like turning into that rat with like no hair, just ugly croniness of it all always stood out as like pivotal witch material. Yeah, I definitely watched that movie a lot as a kid. And that's one of the ones I rewatched because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And David happens to be around when I was watching it. And he was like, you know what? He's like, I've definitely seen this. He's like, I remember seeing this as as a kid and like being really bothered by it. And he mentioned it like a few times while we were watching it. And I was like, I love it. 
That's there's great. scenes from that movie. Yeah. You just don't forget the same thing happened when I was talking to my husband about it. I was like, yeah, you know, tonight we're going to talk about that movie, witches and so which, I mean, there's a ton of them. He's like, you know, the one where the lady is like, takes her hair off and she, she's like, Oh, they turn them into like, everybody has trauma from that movie. Yeah. If you grew you up. Have tones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, something that really like resonated with me was, well, first of all, the special effects are like fantastic and they still hold up, but just like you said, the grotesqueness of when she takes her mask off and she's got just like the full on, like the hook nose and the giant so ears. So yeah, good. I was like, this is great. Like this is like reveling in grotesqueness. And um, of course it was produced by Jim Henson, who's the Muppets guy. I feel like both Walt Disney and Jim Henson just like really understood that kids needed like danger and darkness yeah. and like scary things to like really like understand the world. And that it's really important to storytelling. And so I think that's why this movie in particular, along with those evil stepmothers and like the the witch in Snow White, I think that's why those things are so important and like why they've stuck with us for so long, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I also thought yeah, it was totally. interesting that... Um, the witches in this movie are like super hideous and like really evil. Like there's, there's no ambiguity there, but I will say that witches have kind of always served as this like feminist icon. And even though these particular group of witches are evil, they're still like this tight knit little, like empowered like society of women, which I find like <laughs> kind of charming, you know, especially since that one at the end, she like breaks away and she's like, you know what? I'm not doing this. Like you treat me like crap. I don't I don't want to be your assistant anymore and she ends right. up being the good witch right I do think it's really cool um I was reading a little bit of like the intro of Rodal um how he started the book and it starts off like there was a line that stuck out to me that said witches are always women and I was just like huh and I mean not no shade to Harry but like <laughs> witches are always women you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's always different whenever you get a solely feminine perspective on things like the occult or witches, because it always feels a little more powerful than if it's a warlock or a wizard, you know, it just stuck out to me. <laughs> well, um, I actually have a, I mean, I, I definitely remember witches from fairy tales. Like one that stands out to me the most is Baba Yaga. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because my mom, you know, when I was younger, thought that I couldn't handle a lot of scary movies, which is ironic because I love horror movies now, but I was terrified. Um, so she would take me to the library instead. And guess what I picked out? All the Halloween books. So yes. <laughs> One in particular that I picked out, um, oh my gosh, it's, it's kind of tough to say. It's the first Baba Yaga story. And as an artist, I think what uh, resonated with me the most is as I was flipping through looking at these illustrations, there's one where it shows her hut on these chicken legs because, you yes, know, part girl. of the Baba Yaga legend. Yes. <laughs> she, yes she's this old, like, you know, hag woman that lives on the, the fringes, like edge of society in the woods. And her hut is stilted on these creepy chicken legs. I honestly looked this up before we all met to talk about it because I would love to tell you why they're chicken legs, but I have no idea. And that's kind of what I love about it is witches have evolved so much over time that there is symbolism connected to, and you can't really explain it. It's just the creepiest parts of nature that somehow are attributed to witches, which I love. And I think even as a kid, I just, I was so baffled by that mystery that I just, I wanted to know more about it. Plus 
Um, Nicole, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, it's always cool to find women in horror, right? So witches, I mean, especially as a young kid, you know, witches were the only like real women represented in horror. So I thought she was the coolest. Um, and I mean, like I said, just that visual of that hut on these skinny little spindly chicken legs in the middle of the woods, surrounded by skulls and bones of people <laughs> that she cannibalized. I'm like, yeah, girl, like that's so <laughs> living for it. <laughs> so I used to love when I was a kid to check out, I checked out like every single fairy tale book from my library in my elementary school. And I remember there was one in particular that it was full of just witch fairy tales. And that book was a treasure. And like, I, of course I was like seven or eight. Like I have no idea. I don't remember what it looked like. I don't remember what the title was, but I would love to find it. There was a book that I checked out when I was a kid from the library and I tried so hard. I've tried for like years and years and years to find the name of this book because it left such an impact on me as a kid. There's a plague scene in it. This little girl ends up getting burned as a witch at the stake because she becomes a healer with herbs and she becomes reincarnated into a bird at the end. And I've seriously spent years looking to see what the name of this book is and I cannot find it, but I loved it so much when I checked it out. Oh, it sounds cool. Yeah. Um, did you guys ever see Return to Oz when you were a kid? Speaking of like twisted Disney stuff. No, but I've seen the guys on roller skates. Oh, the wheelers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, so you guys, I don't know if you have Disney Plus, but if you do, you need to watch Return to Oz this spooky season. It is, I mean, I don't know who in the 80s was like calling the shots at Disney, but like they need to put that person back in charge because like they released uh, Watcher in the Woods, Something Wicked This Way Comes, and Return to Oz are like the three darkest Disney movies you will ever see. And they're for like older kids, but still. Return to Oz has so much creepy imagery and there is a witch in it who collects people's heads and that's what decorates her halls are people's heads in jars. Yeah. Plus the wheelers, as you mentioned. So like definitely look up Return to Oz. That's awesome. Okay, so uh, we've established that, uh, you know, witches are a mainstay when we're kids. So I want to move on and talk about some of the witch movies that I would consider classics. So there was like a ton of occult stuff that came out in the 60s and the 70s. And I'm not super well-versed in all of it. Uh, So there are definitely some gaps here, but um, a lot of it is kind of like general occult and not super witch focused. Um, So for me, the witch movie that really stands out the most from the seventies is Dario Argento's Suspiria. So let's just carve out some time to talk about both 1977 and 2018 Suspiria. So, this needs to be like a two-parter. I know, I know. We could we could really record an entire episode just like on a nat dancer right now. She's yeah. so I'm ready. trying so hard to be composed. <laughs> well, you just saw it right for the first time a couple days just, ago, right? Yeah, last I just night. watched the newer one um, last night. I when I tell you I could not sleep because my brain was just like constantly thinking about it and constantly like thinking about the shots and Okay. When I was watching it, I realized a lot of how the movie was going to go solely based on the way things were shot. 
Mm. Okay, and pause. Pause. Yep. Because we got to mm-hmm. talk about 1977 before we go to okay. 2018. You're right. You're right. <laughs> the colors. We love it. Let's go. <laughs> the colors. Okay. So actually, so I kind of knew some things and I learned some new things in my research. Okay. So Suspiria was directly inspired by Snow White. So we're already, we're tying back into that fairy tale. And um, Argento specifically cast the lead actress because she looks like Snow White. White. She's got like her hair is similar. It's longer, but it's similar. And even I noticed some of her movements when she's like running through the house. Yes. With the hands. Yes. Yes. It's just like when Snow White is running through the woods and like the trees are trying to grab her. Yes. Yes. And of course, I love that. It was also developed using this like three strip technicolor process. So there was a red strip, a blue strip and a green strip. And so just like you were mentioning, like the colors are super important. Um, You've got super saturated reds and greens and super haunting. A super fun point, the actress that plays Helena Marcos, the big big baddie witch, she was uncredited in the film and she was a 90-year-old former prostitute that Argento found on the streets of Rome. Yo, <laughs> how do you not give that woman some credit? Like, oh, so <laughs> good, man. Can't you just see him? Just this little Italian man like you. You. <laughs> Dude, when I first watched that movie, that was actually the first Argento movie I'd ever seen. And when I watched it, I was so confused because I was like, their voices are not like some of them are matching their mouths and some of them mm. aren't. And that whole idea of let's just record everybody in their yep. own language and just flash over it. Yeah. Argento, no Fs were given. He was not like, one. it'll be fine. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It's not the point. Um, God, it's so good. So, I mean, I know that there, there's a lot of commentary about like the dreamscape, you know, nature of that movie. Do you guys think that maybe they left that in as a part of this whole dreamscape feel, or was that just sort of a byproduct of laziness? (laughs) I, I think a good chunk of it is like when I first watched that movie, what I came away with was it doesn't really matter what this movie's about. Because first and foremost, it's a visual story. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of it feels really thin. But at the end, he's like, and they're witches, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think he does that a lot where he aims for a visual story. I think that's how he works. It was my one of my first encounters with that. And I thought it was really cool, but it definitely took me off guard for a yeah. minute. And from what I understand, I think a lot of Jalo filmmaking is kind of that way, where it's more yep. about a mood and a visual style than it is about like a solid story, which yeah. I think brings us to a really good point for the 2018 film because people were like, how in the world can you do a remake of this movie? You know, what's it going to be like? And um, Let me show you. It's, oh, it's, it's a big <laughs> pressure. But I think the the main thing that the new director did was he was like, we can make we can make this story solid and still keep the visuals striking. And so I really appreciated that, like, oh, this story makes more sense. I loved that they didn't even try to tackle the color palette mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Argento at mm-hmm. all. They were like, it went the opposite route. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude. They were like, mute everything. Like, 
make it painful how muted it is. Yes. And I'm super here for it because Germany in the 70s. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> we we still a, got some strong reds, which I really appreciated. Oh, yeah. You know, that's have, about it. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> that red, red in that movie, that was mm-hmm. like one of the main things I researched is so important because there is a slow, I mean, they even call it like a spill of red that happens throughout that movie. It's slowly introduced in that, like you were saying, I think the colors were muted on purpose to allow that red to become or to be more apparent throughout the film mm-hmm. and you know we're talking about witches and feminism and how this is like being seen as a witch can be a form of empowerment this red also alludes to from what I read basically um menstruation For sure. and coming into womanhood and power and all I mean which explains the ending right extremely bloody extremely like everything is just red everything has this red light shown there's nothing in that scene that is not red and I love that like that slow creep of of red introduced to that film for that reason that was I think that was a really great move yeah definitely I think something interesting about it and like it's kind of uncomfortable at least it was for me for a minute and then I realized like oh this is super on purpose um the main character in the 2018 one she was very much like she was really curious about her own sexuality and about like that carnal desire obviously because of what ends up happening at the end um <laughs> uh but the, i sent you guys a photo yesterday um uh, whenever i was watching it of when they're in the rehearsal room and she um tilda swin's character says we're going to you know, we're going to make a new dance today and it's going to be about rebirth and everyone starts to turn to look at her um, the main character who's sitting like two thirds of the way on the screen, legs spread open because she's stretching and yep. everyone is in front of her, which mm-hmm. just alludes to that like mother and that power and like the placement of everything is brilliant. Oh, that's super smart, Natalie. Like I definitely (laughs) did not notice that. And when you posted that, I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear what she has to say about this. (laughs) I, man, that movie, I really, really liked it. And uh, like, it happens a lot the way that they shoot her in particular, um, always with like how high she's standing next to the people next to her. And like, she's always open in a lot of shots like that. It's very, very fun. Yeah. I, uh, that brings up something I kind of wanted to touch on is that as I was taking notes, just in general for this episode, I kept noticing this like sort of good witch, bad witch kind of pull. And, you know, we see it as early as Wizard of Oz, which I was obsessed with when I was a kid. You know, we have the Wicked Witch of the West and then we have Glinda, the Good Witch. So there's like always sort of this um, understanding that there are both kind of in the world. And what I found really interesting about Suspiria 2018 is that um, we get the same Helena Marcos character and she looks kind of similar to the one from the seventies, but she's even more grotesque and she just, she has more kind of agency, but she's like, it looks like she's sort of absorbed. She's like these, an amalgamation of women. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's hideous because she sort of is like preyed on all these other witches. And of course we have um, Madame Blanc, 
who is uh, Tilda Swinton. And I mean, I love her and everything, but this might be my favorite. She's built she was the role. Exactly. <sighs> she also played the old man. I don't know yes, if she physically did. Physically, everything. But yes. I loved it yeah. so much. <laughs> but there's definitely some kind of like, really interesting power struggle happening in this coven and at first you're not sure and like Madame Blanc seems like she might be evil especially if we're thinking about 1977 Um, and then as you know the film goes along we see her she's actually sympathetic she's a team player she does want what's best for the coven and in the end, basically, she gets sort of sacrificed to protect. I can't, I can't remember her name, guys. The main character. Do you guys remember her name? Susie. Susie. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Susie B. Yes. And so I love that we see Helena again. She's <laughs> sort of sucked all these people into her and she's trying to keep power. But Susie is this open character who it seems and it's ambiguous. We don't get like a 100 percent answer, but it seems like she is here to kind of like right the wrongs and like set the balance of power back to the way it should be and just the way she moves and the way she speaks. And she has that uh, moment with the old man at the end. Like it's all just very lovely. And I thought that it was a really interesting exploration of this sort of like good witch, bad witch dynamic. That's so interesting that you bring that up because one of the things I researched about the movie was that exactly the archetype archetype of the witch typically is yes there's a good witch and a bad witch but at the very end you see her kind of step into this power where in the older Suspiria like you said she's the snow white character kind of girly like walking through like you know but in the end of of the 20 2018 version she steps into her power like she become, and it makes you question the role of a witch as a villain you know, is she really a villain? And I think that that kind of calls back to the historic witch, you know, or I guess what they call, I watched a, a great documentary actually on YouTube about all of this, like witches in film and so on. And they talk about the difference of the types of witches throughout media. And they call this one in particular, the satanic witch, which they're truly historically is no such thing, right? The satanic, witch was invented during or right before all of the inquisitions, right? Which I'm sure you guys know about was the hammer of witches, <clears throat> the document that, or the, the manual that's used to seek out witches and destroy them. And blah, blah, blah. And yeah. Yeah. It all harkens back to that. Oh. Um, what I thought was really cool about uh, that dichotomy uh, between the coven um, was whenever Susie did come in, she was obsessed. Like it was very, it was established super early on that she was obsessed with Blanc. Um, Blanc created the Volk dance, Susie being who she is. Um, I think it says a lot that she loved that dance learned that dance um everything that Blanc did she couldn't find fault for because Blanc genuinely had the interests of the girls in mind right she didn't want to keep doing whatever Marcos was doing whereas those that voted for Marcos wanted that way and they had like that false idol that was Marcos um so I just think it's really cool that Susie being who she was sided with Blanc from the get-go and automatically shows that like, you know, because in the beginning, you don't really know what's going on. You don't know who's who. But at the end, it makes a lot of sense that she felt like she was being, how do I say this, correctly vilified with Blanc as opposed to with Marcos, which was super cool. 
Yeah, I read also that um, there was a really interesting balance of masculine feminine in the production of that movie, not even really um, necessarily intended. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, if you know anything about witches, traditional belief is that, you know, magic in nature has a, a masculine and feminine property, right? You have to have a balance of both just like good and it's not good and evil. Nature is neither good or evil. It just is, you know, there's chaos that happens. There's beauty that happens. And a lot of those relate back to masculine and feminine qualities. Well, in this movie, Everybody in front of the camera, camera, feminine, you know, everybody behind the camera, however, um, all masculine or all men, all like male production. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Like we, we talked about how she played the role of, you know, a man. Um, if you look it up again, all of the actresses, everybody, in, I mean, except for very, very, very minor roles, maybe. Um, but I thought that was really interesting and that that happened yeah. almost completely on accident. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Huh. <laughs> All right, Natalie, before we move on, do you have anything else that you want to say about Suspiria? <laughs> now's um, your time. I loved, oh, oh yes. Okay. All right. New things. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I loved how heavy on dance it was, um, how much they emphasized dancing as a form of magic itself. I thought was incredible and not really explored at all, which led me. Um, so the uh, psychologist's character is a point where he's going through um, the diary about midway. And there are some like little pamphlets put in the diary. One of them is the tragedy of Salome. So Salome, um, the tragedy of Salome is a play and or dance depending on who's producing it. Um, but Salome was the... I guess, stepdaughter of John the Baptist who cut off his head and performed the dance um, called like, um, oh, goodness gracious. Uh, I think it's Something called, Medusa? Uh, let me see. Hold on. Bear with me for a minute. It is called, it's very interesting, the, the Dance of Seven Veils. Oh. And um, there are a lot of depictions of it, but if you look at like the old production posters, of the tragedy of Salome, um, she's always shown as like a sensual dancer, right? Even though she's yeah. just done this very grotesque thing and is showing this plate of a man's head on bloody head on a platter, she's doing this quote seductive sensual dance, which I thought was a perfect nod in this movie to women in history, to dance in history, um, with this being a backdrop. Thought that was super fun. Mm -hmm. Also, the one thing that struck me now that you mentioned it is like all the dancers in the 77 version, they're very much like pretty ballerinas. All mm -hmm. the dancers in this movie are strong. Strong. Mm -hmm. And so like strong. they're not even like all attractive, but they're all very fit and very strong. And I really appreciated that, especially when paired with the Volk dance, which is not pretty. It's expressive and it's strong. And I really thought that was a, a nice little difference. Well, I and agree. you guys have you guys are familiar with the legend of the red shoes, right? No, nope, okay. not. Tell okay. Us. <laughs> all right. Let's get into this now. So you guys have all seen, um, oh my gosh, Midsummer. Yeah. Okay. So Midsummer mm -hmm. is also sort of based <laughs> on this idea of the May Queen, right? And yeah. in, in traditional um, 
gosh, I mean, it, it, I mean, it just harkens back to, um, I don't even want to say pagan religions because I think this was just a, a celebration of spring in general. Um, but there was always a May queen and it happened because like, according to the legend, um, there was a girl who was led away by, I think it was a, um, a centaur or no, what's the one with the bullhead? Minotaur. 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 She's led away by a minotaur. Um, and she's seduced and she dances with him, blah, blah, blah. So the celebration of the maypole dance is that, you know, just like in midsummer, all of the women have to dance until they all fall down and there's one left. But in red shoes, she dances until she dies. Um, yes. Wow. So, and it's interesting because that also has a kind of a nod to the color red. Mm-hmm. Um the poster red is for the very, original Suspiria, her feet are red. They're yeah. dipped in blood. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really do feel that there's a, a big nod to the legend of the red shoes, um, wow. which also talks about like female vanity and, and things like that. So um, oh. I really enjoyed that part of it. Love it. That's rad. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I feel like we could probably talk about Suspiria for like several, several, several more minutes, but we're going to move on. (laughs) Um, We're going to move on to uh, the second film that I'm going to classify as a classic, and that is The Blair Witch Project. So in 1999, we got something new in the horror genre, of course, with found footage, and Blair Witch is like the first truly found footage movie. I remember this being a huge deal when it came out. I was 15. So what I want to know from you guys before we dig in to Blair Witch is, did you, when it came out, did you believe it? Did you think it was a real story? Totally. I was not old enough to watch it. (laughs) However, uh, my friend came over to make dinner. She's at my house right now. Um, But I asked, I had told her that I was watching Blair Witch earlier and she goes, oh man, that movie and I was like oh did you watch it when you were younger and she was like yeah I watched it when it came out I was like did you think it was real and she was like it's not real oh <laughs> my gosh that is fantastic wow <laughs> girls been about about like, that for years it has credits Steph it has credits <laughs> it's not real babe <laughs> you know okay and so I rewatched this last night and I may not have seen the whole thing from start to finish since I first saw it in theaters. And like, let me just tell you, like, what a time to be alive Wow! <laughs> when Blair Witch first came out, because my mom is basically the person who's responsible for my love of spooky things. And so she and I, especially when I was a teenager, we were like all about it. We were all about the like latest thing and we're watching trailers for Blair Witch and like, oh my gosh, how have I never heard of this? And those suckers released a documentary on sci-fi about the Blair Witch as if it were real. And so we're watching the documentary on sci-fi. I mean, hook, line, and sinker, we thought it was real. Um, wow. And so then last night when I was watching it and I got to the end and there were credits, I'm like, like I, it's been so long ago. I don't remember at what point I realized it wasn't real. But I'm like, so people in the theaters... Like when they saw the credits roll, is that when they were like, is it real? This isn't real. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this movie was just, I mean, it was such a game changer. And I mean, found Mm -hmm. footage is still around. I think that um, a lot of people are kind of sick of it, but I think for better or for worse, like it's here to stay. Like it's a legit subgenre now. I don't think it's going anywhere. And I think a big reason why it also resonated 
not just because of the marketing, but also, you know, Nat, you were younger, so you may not remember. Sonny, you're younger than me, but not that much. (laughs) I just remember the (laughs) 90s being, there were some gyms in the 90s, but mostly it was like overproduced, really slick, beautiful people. You know, there like wasn't a lot of soul in horror movies. And so I feel like Blair Witch just brought that back to the genre. They were like, we're stripping everything away. And we're just giving you a scary story. That's the same scary story you've been hearing since you were a kid. And I mean, people were so scared of that movie. Now, I will say after the rewatch last night, I definitely feel like it's, it's you know, lost some of its potency over time. Um, I still love the simplicity and uh, like... I had totally forgotten there's a scene where she finds a, the bundle of sticks outside their tent and it's like uh, tied up in Josh's shirt and she starts to untie it and she finds like his tongue and his teeth in there. So dope. And then and I was telling Mike because <laughs> no. he doesn't want to freak him out. No, but I was just no. like... Oh, and I've always loved the ending, which apparently they tried to change. But I mean, that I love a good ambiguous ending. But like, right. I love that we never see her. I love that it's like sort of in their head. You right. know, um, I think what my my one criticism of it, which, you know, we're not really here to like get get deep in criticism today. But I think I would really have appreciated it because I loved all the little black and white clips that we got of them actually filming the documentary. Mm-hmm. I would love to have gotten a little more of those and a little less of like, let's yell at each other because we're lost, you know? <laughs> I, I'm going to be 100% honest and tell you that I just saw it for the first time today. <gasps> Ooh! And I didn't find a place that was streaming it, but I remember that we bought an old VHS copy of it because <gasps> we thought that that would be really fun to watch on VHS. So I watched it on VHS today on my oh, lunch. Love it. Wow. Um, I really liked it. Uh, I knew minimal about it. I knew that there was, um, I knew it was like the first found footage movie and that there was a campaign about it. Like the way that it was marketed was like, if it was real when it came out and I was like, Ooh, that's fun. But I'm watching it and I'm like, man, I'm really anxious. Like oh. this whole time. That's I'm it. So that's it. Anxious yeah. Yeah. Because you know, they're losing it. You know, they're hungry and you know, they're in the woods and there's no exactly. way out. Like, like you start to lose it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, are they going to make it? Do they make it? <laughs> and then the ending happens and you're like, ah, no, <laughs> they're no, not. They gonna. do not. They do not make it. Yeah. Oh, and I love it just really resonated with me that a couple different times she says it's it's impossible to get lost in America these days. Like, I know. And I was just like, I don't know Girl. why. I don't know why this particular line is like hitting me, but it really is. I was like, there's something there for sure. I love, I love the opening scene with the little girl um, when the mom is talking to them and the little girl keeps covering the mom's yes. mouth. I was yes. like, that's really eerie. I yes. do not like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, things like that are what was what made it so convincing because I read that some of those people were actors and some of them were just townspeople. Wow. So I'm like, can you imagine just like being a mom on the sidewalk and a film crew's like, hey, can you tell like tell this story back to us? Just however. I was like, how fortunate were they to find the right people? Wow, man. Yeah. I also told AJ because um, he was watching it too. It's a perfect. Um, 90s fall movie like 
you like, I don't know, we don't have seasonal changes here. Right. So watching it and seeing them in the woods and knowing that it's cold because they say it's cold and feeling that like desperation and anxiety through them is like, yeah, this is really unsettling. Yeah, I am. It makes me super happy to hear that it still holds up for like a first time horror fan today because, you know, I don't that's a lens I don't have. So like it makes me really happy to hear you say that. I, was, I thought it was great. What about you, Sunny? What are your thoughts? You know, I love this movie for all the reasons that we just talked about. But in particular, um, I think it's really great that they made a horror movie without a clear, direct like villain, if that makes sense. Like, you don't mm-hmm. see her. She's just a presence. She's an idea. And that, like you were saying, like the fact that they were screaming at each other the whole time and building up this tension... Like it, it more or less makes you wonder whether or not the witch is real or if it's something that just, you know, is causal when you go out and look for this, this myth or this legend. Um, and I don't know if like, you know, and that's something that I read about when I was researching this for our talk too, is that you kind of question at the end, whether or not like they did it to each other, if there's something mm-hmm. actually out in the woods, if it is the camera crew that was lost, like, or the, the crew that was lost previously, like you don't really know. And that's mm-hmm. the scary part about it. And that's why I love that you, it's impossible to get lost in America. It's kind of, it speaks, you know, to our, I don't want to say Arrogance. our age. Yeah, yeah kind of. I mean, right. Like you, um, yeah. we're so used to modern convenience and that's what makes it scarier is it's like, you know, this could never happen. And it does. And, it, and it's like, they exist in this other weird, like time zone where yeah I mean they're they're just constantly getting lost and turn around the yeah the level of anxiety in that movie Nat I think you kind of hit it on the head um I love that they do that and and you see it more as like a POV perspective you know you're oh yeah you're there arguing too you're panicking as well you know when he said he threw the map in the river I was like I'm gonna murder him I'm going to murder him (laughs) I so really recently like two weeks ago or so um, we took a trip to North Carolina to a cabin in the woods and we took the baby with us just to get away for a week. And I was like, I'm not driving at night. I'm not, I'm not doing it. There's no way. Uh, because it was so deep in the woods that there was, there was no lights. We had to drive back once in that seven day stretch at night. I was trying to race home because I was like, I don't want to be out here when it's dark. I don't want it. And we just live out there. We didn't, we didn't make it. <laughs> before dark came down. So it was 830 and I'm like, oh my God, I'm losing. Like I, I, I had that anxiety in real life. Like we're losing daylight. We're not going to make it. And so I'm driving down the Blue Ridge Parkway and there's no lights. There's no railing. There's no nothing. I lose signal. And I'm trying really hard not to have a freaking panic attack before we get to this place. I've never driven in the mountains before at night. And I'm like, well, I hope we don't fall to our deaths. Yay. (laughs) And... When we parked, I cried because I couldn't I was, <laughs> I was so scared. Like, I told AJ next Sorry, I'm birth. No, I was like, next to birth, that's the scariest thing in the world. Because when I tell you the darkness of those woods was so thick that it ate my lights from my car. It- <laughs> I just... <laughs> oh, 
that's terrifying. Oh it was real fear, dude. And I'm watching this movie today, like, yep, that's, uh-huh. yep, don't lose daylight. Yep, get in the tent. Uh huh. Yep. Well, I'm really glad that you guys didn't like take Blair Witch with you to watch on For that real? trip. We almost did. We almost did. I'm so happy we didn't. You would have died. You would have yeah. literally died. It's too much, man. Oh, geez. And I'm sorry to everyone. I was very naive. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some modern, some modern stuff. Um, so, you know, it's hard to recognize like what's happening with, with media in your modern times, like while you're in them. Um, but I feel like the, the past decade or so, we've definitely gotten some gems, some witchy gems. And we're also getting a resurgence of like the folk horror from the 60s and 70s, which is fantastic. And uh, listeners out there, I know I've been saying for like a year I was going to do a folk horror episode. And like, I'm just telling you, it's just, it's big and expansive and it's coming eventually, but I just need more time. So anyway, um, so the first thing that I want to talk about with modern witches is American Horror Story Coven. Have you guys seen that season? Yes. Of course. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I feel like it's gotten mixed reviews. I've heard people, I've seen people put it at the top of the list and I've seen people put it at the bottom of the list, but I personally, it's, it's like a top three for me. Um, of course, the fact that it's set in New Orleans is a huge perk for me personally, because I love that city. It's like my second home. Um, but yeah, like, give me your, give me your thoughts on Coven. Well, um, I will admit that's when I first got into American Horror Story because I mean anything with witches I'm I'm there, right? Um I loved it. The only criticism that I have or the main one I guess that I can think of is that they started killing everybody and I stopped caring. Like everybody was dying yeah. and like going yeah. and like coming back and you know, yeah. I'm sorry spoiler alert everybody dies. Um <laughs> That's like a general criticism of American Horror Story every season yeah, is that there are like, never any stakes. Like when people die, they often just come back. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. It makes it hard to, to care, you know, when it happens, but mm. everything else, I really love that they implemented um, real historical witches. I really love, like you said, the, the nod to um, uh, Southern witches because that does not get enough credit, at least Southern in gothic. Yeah. Yes. yes, they do and, not get enough. And they worked no. in Marie Laveau, which is like yes. voodoo, which isn't exactly the same as witches. But I thought the way they worked it in and how there's this tension between the white witches and the voodoo witches and how, you know, they team up at some points, but there's this rivalry. I thought that whole dynamic was just like really, really great. I really liked this season. That was great. That was actually the last season of American Horror Story that I watched. Um so that was fun. Uh, however, <laughs> not a however, really, but like kind of a note about um, non-white witches as opposed to Anglo-Saxon witches is I feel like in media as a whole, Anglo-Saxon witch is the witch that we think of whenever we think of witch, right? It's mm-hmm. default. And that mm-hmm. definitely is because like, we live in America. We're women in America. That's what's been fed to us. We've all read the the um, the Crucible in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the picture that's given. And I have always been frustrated with that because there's a lot that I don't know um, 
and that I would like to know more about with regards to like Yoruba and island magic and African magic and um, diaspora. And it kind of drives me nuts that it's like, if you get any of that in main media, it tends to only be voodoo um, because that's what's hot. That's what's cool, you know? And, and it's such a crappy, like, stereotypical version of it, too. Great. Yeah. No, it's not. It's, it's just really frustrating because um, I thought it was a really cool idea. And I love the um, Papa Legba oh, segment of it. Yes. I thought that was super fun. That was great. Um, but it felt like a missed opportunity because I feel like there was a lot of a lot of chances to get into Caribbean magic outside of just voodoo. Um, I'm glad they had something other than Anglo witches in it, given that it was in New Orleans. Um, but that's a personal gripe of mine uh, that isn't necessarily well, tied to this, but I felt like adding it. You want to you know more about Marie Laveau too, is that of course she's this like stereotypical figure of being a voodoo witch, but she was also, she was like a prominent figure in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And she yep. was mm-hmm. like a business owner. Um, mm-hmm. And the way I learned that is that we stayed in, um, it's called the Inn on St. Anne. And they have like a couple different buildings at this inn. And one of their main building... It's like a tip, what you, typical, what you think of hotel in New Orleans, but across the street, there's like um, a little fourplex and it used to be owned by Marie Laveau. And we, cool. we stayed there like in her house where like one of her lovers used to live, like in his apartment or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's how I learned that like, oh, she owned a bunch of property. And so she has this, you know, this voodoo, like magic, like bent to her, but, but there's more than that. And to be fair, I mean, American Horror Story in general has like a sets of problems, but um, it was the same thing with um, uh, Madame Laurie. Lalaurie, played by Kathy Bates, which I, I have always been fascinated with that story because that story oh, is yeah. horrific. Yeah, um, yep. And I thought Kathy Bates was great casting, but they also, I mean, same thing. Like she became this like super hardcore, like caricature basically of the real um, Madame Lalaurie. So I think that's, that's a, it's a fair point to make like across the board. <laughs> A side note, um, in case we don't come back to it with regards to uh, like the idea of the indigenous witch uh, and like actual like magical practices that exist aside from like your general pagan list of things, um, pieces of media that are covering that or that have covered it, um, a lot of it tends to be musicians um, that are products of diaspora. Uh, like um, Beyonce's Lemonade actually has a lot of ties to. Uh, Yoruba feminine figures, as well as, I don't know if you guys ever listened to Princess Nokia, but she has Mm -hmm. a music, yeah, she has a music video um, about brujas, and it's wonderful, (laughs) and so cute. So good. Oh, I get goosebumps (laughs) just thinking about it. I love that video. Um, Oh, so amazing. Just a side note for anybody out there that is curious, there are also witches that are not Anglo and are just as badass and mystical and interesting. So, fun fact. Thanks. Thank you for bringing that up, Natalie. 
We're, yeah, just, we're here to educate the people. For real. Bring it, Let's see it. Bring that's it to really, the people. Yeah, that's a really important point, though, because and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, too, because, I mean, the definition of witch has evolved so much over time and how we've portrayed them. And I mean, how we portrayed them in media is a big part of that. You know, I think there's all different types of witches or which can mean like a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I think this is actually the perfect time to transition because the next two films that we're going to talk about are super ambiguous and are sympathetic to the figure of the witch. Um, The first one I want to talk about, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Mm. Um, This movie is something else. I had, I heard nothing but good things about it when it was first released, but didn't know anything about it. And then, um, shouts out to one of my favorite podcasts, the faculty of horror, um, to female horror nerds as ourselves. And they get super analytical into film, like even more than I'm able to. And I really admire them, but, um, they've done three or four different episodes on witches. Um, so if the audience, or if you guys are interested, like go check out faculty of horrors, witch episode because they're all in it but they put the autopsy of jane doe on one of their witch lists and i was like oh it's a witch movie yeah okay no idea i feel like i need to go watch it before it gets more spoiled so um (laughs) for the people who are not familiar well first of all i hope probably just spoiled it for you but you just need to stop and go watch it and then come back um but it's as they this, okay, so this woman is brought to the morgue and these this father-son team are um, doing an autopsy on this woman trying to figure out, like, where'd she come from? Where'd she die from? And as they're doing the autopsy, they're uncovering all this really weird stuff. There's, like, symbols on the inside in, on the inside of her skin. And there's, like, a tooth wrapped in a cloth in her stomach. And all these weird things are going on in the morgue. And you don't know what's real and, like, what's happening and... And basically what you find out is that uh, this woman was subjected to all the tortures of a witch trial and these people who were trying her as a witch basically unknowingly created a witch because of all the torture they put her through. Um, So, I mean, that's just like, this movie would be, I feel like, great regardless but because they bring it all back around to the super old legend is like fantastic thoughts yeah i really appreciate how they they came back around like um nicole i think you pointed it out like the the girl like the main character well arguably the main character the witch she doesn't do anything She's dead the entire time. She just lays on the slab. Um, but I mean, everything that happens in the movie is because of her. And I love the notion that she may have not necessarily been a witch until they created one, which again right. is sort of a historical nod to how we got these stereotype of witches to begin with. You know, mm-hmm. like who knows why they identified her as a witch back in the day, but they solidified it. They gave it power through their own beliefs. It had nothing to do with what she personally believed or practiced or, or any crimes that she committed. Um, They were attributed to her, which again, is a, is an, I love that. I think that's my favorite thing about, um, you know, newer witch movies that are coming out is that people are finally addressing this. And I think that's really great. I, I think that in their own subtle way or not so subtle, maybe they do it in this movie. Yeah, for sure. And another thing that um, I thought made her 
kind of a strong sympathetic figure is that she's nude throughout the whole movie. I mean, they're doing an autopsy on her. So her naked body is on the slab for an hour and a half. Um, But it's not like sexualized at all. I mean, it's just prevented very, like, very straight. Um, And I do feel like as the movie, like at first when things like creepy things start happening, like you sort of feel like, oh, is it her fault? But then by the end of the movie, even though the insinuation is that like she's going to go on and do this to more people, you're kind of like rooting for her, though. You're like... Good for her. <laughs> Get your life, sister. <laughs> you know, it's that it's it's that ambiguous, like conflicted feeling where it's not just oh, the witch is evil. It's like oh, this poor, beautiful woman. Like, why did they do this to her? You know, and she's finally getting her revenge. <laughs> And I think you kind of get you 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 kind of pick up on like what side you're supposed to be on because the son of the um, the mortician right they're mortician morticians yeah. are the ones who actually cut people up right okay good um, <laughs> like you know he he actually tries to stop him on more than one occasion you know and I noticed even before he said this um, while they're performing the autopsy she tries to stop them. You know, in in her own subtle ways, like I think he goes to like make an incision and he accidentally cuts himself on one of her bones. Um, Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's just all of these spooky things that kind of keep happening. And the son insists like, you know, he he makes uh, mention of, you know, you have to stop seeing them as bodies. You know, there's people, there's a story here. Something happened. Like, like you said, there's all of these you know, clues that, you know, um, yes, you're supposed to like empathize with her. And for whatever reason, you know, he just keeps going and, and ultimately unleashes, you know, whatever is inside of her. So quick aside, I've not seen it. <laughs> um, I started watching it today, but then You're already welcome. got real, real <laughs> I have one note to say <laughs> just based off of what you guys have said, but it sounds like it does a really good job of addressing the problem of agency. Um, which is seen with witches and witch culture for a really long time is Mm. a lot of the times whenever we see witches in literature, um, either they are the subject of not having agency and other people making rulings about them for them without any say of what they have, or they focus on them being a product of their own agency, right? Like Mm -hmm. hyper-focused, this is my vendetta, this is what I'm doing. You can't tell me anything. So it sounds like that movie does a really good job of addressing that. Yeah. And uh, you should definitely still watch it, even though we have oh, now spoiled it. It's, it's, it's still, okay. yeah, we, we've not ruined it. We've not completely ruined it, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's another thing in uh, throughout film literature. I mean, whenever they um, talk about witches, they never really address the, the source of power. For a lot of you know these characters, um, either they're like inherently evil, or it's just never explained. Um, and this was really cool because while they don't directly explain it, like we were saying, I, I think they inadvertently give her her power, and it comes from like this negative assumption of whatever they thought she was. You know, so I thought that was kind of an interesting take. Um, they started you know making where powers come from, you know, a little bit more you know clear in certain movies but this one in particular like I said you're kind of wondering whether or not at first like it is coming from her like how could she possibly you know be doing this she's dead you know and um that's great yeah like I I think that was a really smart move Mm -hmm. dang that reminds me of um 
as far as like things happening and stories progressing because because of something that happens inadvertently. Do, have you guys read The Crucible? Did you guys ever read it in high school? Yes. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed. Obsessed. Oh, it's a great high story. <laughs> um, I acted the whole thing on my mom's patio when I was a kid. I freaking <laughs> loved it. And awesome. I loved how like... How, I saw Goody Proctor with the devil. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> but like those girls are the witches at the end of the day, right? They're mm-hmm. the ones who actually end up with all of the power mm-hmm. because it's given to them. Mm-hmm. And like, I love that. I, <laughs> I thought it was awful, obviously, when I was reading it. Um, but as a story with regard to like women in power and witches and like how that can be malicious, those girls were evil they ruined people's lives oh yeah for Um, nothing for like nothing not for fun for fun Mm -hmm. but I I loved that at the like they were the ones who were saying that these people had the power and these people were evil but really it was them and really it was the townsfolk that gave them power who did it to like who caused the whole thing to happen and I just loved that I thought that was wonderful yeah Well, I think that I I found a lot of little subtle parallels uh, between The Crucible and the next film that we're going to talk about, which is The Witch or The Vavitch. The Vavitch. The Witch came out and just took the horror world by storm. Um, I believe it was, yeah, it was definitely, I think the first in this like, new wave of horror that I don't think has a name yet. Yeah. Um, Because we're horror. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because we got the witch and we got hereditary and we got the lighthouse and we got midsummer. Like those four films to me kind of like all live together. (laughs) So your boy, Robert Eggers was like, I'm going to take the witch legend and make it a movie. Y'all want a historical fiction? Y'all want a historical fiction? Okay. Mm, (laughs) And like, that's all. I mean, I I love how stripped down it is. It's like, oh, you want an ugly witch in the woods killing kids? That's what it is. That's all it is. (laughs) I didn't know about the idea of like witches had to kill babies and pour their blood on their brooms to fly. I had no idea that that was a thing <laughs> until I watched The Witch because I was like, what is she doing? Yeah. And oh. I, I looked it up when I got home and I was like, good Lord. Don't look um, up too much about brooms and witches because uh, uh, it gets a little X-rated, I found out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh boy. Oh, there's wow. all kinds of, yeah, yeah, like there's crazy legends attributed to stuff like that, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, The Witch, The Vivitch. Robert Eggers, man. I rewatched it like, I don't know, last week, like recently, because again, I had seen it when it first came out. Needed to watch it again. Um, Watched it with subtitles this time, which very helpful. And I actually found the figure of the dad to be more interesting upon a second watch because I remember, you know, it being very, it's very, it's very puritanical, very Christian. Um, You know, the family is like too Christian for the Christians that have been sent out. Um, But the dad was like a little more sympathetic. Like whenever everything goes south, like you can tell that he believes in like this general, like sort of curse on his family, but like he doesn't want to believe Thomason's a witch. And like when Mm -hmm. the kids are like, she's a witch, he's like, that's ridiculous. (laughs) And I've really appreciated that 
And if we ever do our uh, our religion and horror episode, I feel like we will definitely have to revisit this one because, I mean, it's just almost every quote in this movie is like a scripture or a prayer or like something religious. And I was just like, oh, this is rich. This is rich. Yeah, it feels so rich in that history. And I don't know, I do love that. There's a couple of things about it that I thought were great. Like the script and the fact that that mostly came from like journals of the time is brilliant. Yeah. Um, But again, it's hearkening to how it's filmed. Like if you look at the end, um, I think one of the biggest things that stuck with me was the end of that movie uh, when she's like, all right, I'm in, let's go, you know? And you see that like she's joining the witches, dancing around this fire and she's starting to like float and she feels this euphoria. Mm-hmm. It's very reminiscent. First of all, you want to talk about agency. But as far as how that whole scene is filmed, it's very Goya black painting. Oh, like, yes. It's very much um, that witch's Sabbath that he paints over and over again in his later years. Mm-hmm. And it's eerie and it's terrifying and it's beautiful all at the same time. I didn't know, but there's um there's one, I think it's called like the Witch's Flight or the yes. Witch's Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, they're all they're wearing floating. These pointy hats mm-hmm. and they're floating and there's a guy that's terrified underneath them and a donkey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was made for an unknown patron. That is terrifying to me. Unknown patron. Someone said, hey man, can you paint this for me? And he said, yeah, fam, I got you. And like, the whole it's, series. it's, it's yeah, not it's even like, big. What? It's small. So like someone mm-hmm. had this in a very intimate space. Someone paid to get this painted to put into an intimate space, mm. which is terrifying not to mention yeah. the fact that whenever he got the black paintings that was just on the walls of his house casually <laughs> and just the idea of being surrounded by that like super heavy material I don't know and the the evocation of it at the end of that movie definitely made it feel like I shouldn't be here I should not be watching this That's happening right now which is the way that I felt at the last 30 minutes of Suspiria, same feeling. <laughs> I yeah. should not wow. be here. I should not be seeing this happen. Yeah. I was like, I'm actually like super conflicted about the end of The Witch because, and this is what I was saying about that ambiguity. Like, I love it. But like, I'm conflicted because like, as a Christian, you know, I'm hearkening back to that crucible, like, oh, Thomas, don't truck with the devil. You know? yeah, <laughs> and here yeah. we've already seen this witch in the woods, like, liquefy her baby brother, right? So you're thinking oh, about these, you're like, okay, she just bought into that. Like, is that going to be her life now? But then at the same time, you're like, what else is she going to do? Is she going to go back to the plantation of Puritans and like, be like, this happened to my family? Well, they're definitely going to think she's a witch. 100%. You know, she's been like trying to be patient. She's just been, tr- she has a good relationship with her father, but when she tries to be honest with him, he just shuts her down, you know? Yeah. And like, life is hard. And so, even though part of me is like Thomas and what are you doing the other part of me is like girl go have your butter get your pretty dress you know (laughs) I I loved that euphoric ending of them like flying up and that like terrifying chant um because it just feels very liberating you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's grown up and I say this as a Christian person as well. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's grown up in this essentially, like for lack of a better word, toxic 
you know, belief system that's controlled her entire life and has pushed her and her family out to the verges of society. And she can't find a place in it. And she feels trapped the entire movie. So the fact that she's got like a sense of agency, a sense of like, I write my own story. I have a way out, you know, and that's, you see the elation on her face at the end, the like weight lifted quite literally at the end. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't help but feel like good on her. Right. Mm -hmm. But I super get the conflicting (laughs) part of it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because they have definitely shown us the horrific side of this witch that lives in the woods. You know, we've like, we've seen it happen. So like it, it is very, it's just, it is very conflicting. I think there is something to be said about the historical idea of a witch, especially like an Anglo witch and the idea that like most of the time, whenever someone was convicted of being a witch, they technically weren't, they were just an independent woman. Oh, And yeah. I think that there's a lot to be said about that in tie-in with the end of this movie. Mm. Um, that at the end of the day, like you can call her a witch if you want, you can take it literally. But if you choose to take that metaphorically and see that she's like, broken past these chains of like super zealot type religiosity it's kind of a beautiful thing yeah and well you definitely I don't, don't i mean you don't see thomason as like an evil figure or a bad figure no. or or really judge her for her decision at all and so that's no. very that's very powerful regardless of the circumstances for sure Sunny, I feel like we've been doing all the talking. What are your thoughts about the witch? I'm just listening because um, I love that you, what you guys said. And I, I think that, um, I think it was kind of confusing on purpose. I think that, um, again, there's there's different witch archetypes that are um, brought up, you know, in film, um, in art in general. And this one, again, was the... Christian invented satanic witch, right? He kind of calls back to, oh my gosh, have you guys ever seen that old, I think it was a German or Dutch, uh, supposed to be a documentary, it was about witches, but it was terrifying. It was made like way back in the day. Oh my gosh, I'm kicking myself. I think it was called like Haxen. Yes, Or something like that. I've never seen it. I'm super curious now. Buckle up, buckaroo, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a crazy one. Um, But I think he pulled, you know, from that, and it's based on a hammer of witches, you know, that that document or the uh, manual that they used to hunt witches. Um, So I think that they kind of, I think that was also sort of a smart move because I think they understand their audience. They know the majority of, you know, uh, people in America, like what they subscribe to. And I think that they're sort of like playing on like that traditional scary witch that, that mm-hmm. most people, you know, know and know to fear, you know, religiously, which I think was the point, but you're conflicted because this girl doesn't go out and do these things. They happen to her. Like right. she's like, yeah. sort of like reacts to them and you can't really right. blame her for it. And at the end of the day, like you said, what is she supposed to do? You know, like this, this coven, you know, offers her sort of a chance for freedom and liberation. Um, and again, they were things that were completely out of her hands. Like I thought a really interesting dynamic was Nicole, you brought up the father, how he, you know, initially takes her side. Um, I kind of felt like the mother was jealous of her. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And the brother. Can we talk about that weird relationship? Again, she doesn't yeah. seek these things out. You know, they happen to her, but she's demonized for it, which I think, again, is exactly what happened back in the day. Um, 
women have like this natural, you know, that kind of calls back to like the divine feminine. Like there's a mystery about them. There's any, any woman who has like this, you know, um, attraction about her or this like air of again, mystery, whatever, which I think that's sort of what the brother was feeling. And then the, the father applied logic, you know, the mother refused to see it. Um, and, and then, like I said, you know, you, then you see this weird dynamic happening with the younger brother where you are like, is he, you know, it's natural to an extent, but also like, that's a taboo, clearly. Right, yeah. right. Super. So, um, it's like, I don't get know. this kid back with other people, please. Other people, like, please. <laughs> yeah, right? man. Yeah. 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 So, but the fact that she is sort of like the scapegoat for that. And then of course he, you know, uh, passes soon after it's like, I think it's supposed to be confusing and conflicting and challenge, you know, what, what we all, you know, as a group, you know, subscribe to ultimately it's like okay like here's what i know traditionally about witches and this movie is presenting all of the bad terrifying things about them but when you get right down to it again she as a person you know as a human being like what is she supposed to do like what is she up against and um i think it was supposed to be intentionally conflicting which is why it It makes you question you know everything (laughs) yeah also can we just take a moment to talk about just how cool black philip is (laughs) Like as a His figure, boys. Yeah. Also, so loved, great. I love the like. I I have these weird things where I get obsessed <laughs> with like ideas, and they consume my every waking moment. Uh, there was a period of time when I was still going to school for our history, where I was like a woman possessed, wanting to write a paper about the evolution of the image of the devil. Um, it with particular emphasis on European art um, because he doesn't like I loved the idea of him being a goat and how that spawned from the idea of a satyr and what he was like seen as before was like a giant bat like a giant black bat and I just was obsessed with how that that visual like representation and imagery evolved into something as simple as him being a goat Right. It's like an animal that you see every day and it's there's something off about their eyes. So <laughs> I'm sure that didn't help anything. <laughs> but um, one of Goya's paintings is called um, one of his black paintings is called The Witch's Sabbath. And there's a giant like shadow of a goat on the left side of the painting. And the rest of it is just filled with all kinds of witches. And you don't see the goat's face, but obviously, you know, it's a goat. I just think that that is such a cool image for the horned man. Um, Yeah. You know what I mean? Like something that you see every day, something as mundane as a goat that literally eats whatever it can find um, has now been associated, especially with Black Phillip, um, with the, you know, the vibe of the bad guy, the vibe of the devil. Also, it's like super on the nose but also perfect that he like gores the dad with his horns like that's oh, how I the dad know. goes yeah. out you know it's, it's like oh, super God. masculine like yeah. okay <laughs> super is the mas- devil. <laughs> yeah dude you know what i think is really interesting too um i don't know people are quick like and i will say this like in defense of christianity in terms of witches and the devil there is no clear description in the Bible of Satan, 
there's nothing in there really about witches, unless you count the, isn't it Witch of Endor that ends up like being helpful that they, they like, they actually go to her um, for spiritual counsel and she reveals a prophecy to them. And they talk about her like very like benignly in the Bible, right? Um, they don't really make any mention of that even in the Bible. And same thing, um, you know, with, with the devil, it's the invention by human beings later on to assimilate even like visual cues to their fears, right? So everything that they didn't understand about women, they demonized and now she's a witch. Everything that they didn't understand about the devil or like old pagan religions that call back to satyrs and things like that, where people are celebrating like, you know, the, the Dionysus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so they're like, oh, well, you know, you see this pop up, like these, these call back to old traditions there. That's, that's the devil. And I now mean, you've developed these like visual yeah. you know characteristics that didn't exist before people invented them. I'm actually super interested in the difference between, um, you know, what is actually Christian from the Bible and what is culturally handed down to us because there's so much confusion there. Um, And I've done a little (laughs) bit of research here and there, but every year around this time of the year, there's always like somebody on my newsfeed that has to like remind us that any celebration of Halloween is evil and we as Christians should not partake. And it takes Mm -hmm. every ounce of my self-control to not unleash my knowledge of history and culture on these poor, unassuming people. When um, I was a child, yeah, I, like you always Halloween hear, was the devil's birthday. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. Yeah, it's like day. Yes. where 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 is that? Like I, I never read that. Like yes. there there will be one of these days when I am brave enough to do it. I do want to record an episode on Halloween that's just about like its historical origins and um, at what points you know it has played a part in the church and even um, even how Easter. And, and Christmas are just as pagan as Halloween. They come from very mm-hmm. similar origins, but yet Christians never repackaged Halloween in a wholesome way. And that's the only reason why the church doesn't celebrate it. That's the only reason oh, why. For sure. But if you mm-hmm. told somebody that, that had no context, they would think I was nuts. You know, anyway, so I totally dig what you're saying with like so much of (laughs) so many of like the pictures we have in our head and and the just the cult, our cultural assumptions are just that their cultural assumptions are not actually rooted in. Right. And that's not to say that they haven't been weaponized, you know, by certain groups in the past. But I mean, again, like, I think that's a really great example of how we take things that we don't understand, you know, create this entire culture around it. I mean, people are still killed for being witches for the exact same reason they were, you know, centuries ago, even today. They fell asleep in church. Yeah. (laughs) I think, like, it's true, though. I mean, I read, like, I think it was out of 80, no, out of all of the people throughout history, because there were men and women who were killed for being witches, 80% of them are women. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. And again, like, this is just based off of, oh, gosh, that's another thing I could get into is is why witches were per- persecuted in the first place and where this comes from. And women again, it was we- power. <laughs> it was, like, weaponized, but... Um, 
but yeah, I mean, not like that's not necessarily written within any doctrine. So it's kind of interesting that these people who subscribe to that belief, like hold it as true and, mm. you know, tend to make judgments based off of that. It's yeah. crazy how that evolves over time. Yeah. Well, I am uh, super excited because um, my mom's birthday, she's got a big birthday coming up in April. And she's like, Nicole, we have to go on like a trip for my birthday. It has to be a big deal. Where are we going to go? We were trying to decide where we were going to go. And I was like, mom, how would you like to go to Salem, Massachusetts? (laughs) Oh my God. And her face just lit up. Not a regular mom, a cool mom. Yes. (laughs) So we're going to, so we're going to do that. Um, And I just, I mean, I can't wait. Like one, because like there's Hocus Pocus tours, (laughs) which I'm down for, but also also just the history and and also it's it, apparently it's the spookiest quaintest little city and i think it's just going to be amazing to be there i love that yeah so awesome. i'll have to report back <laughs> all right guys oh so much <laughs> i know <laughs> so i had I to like hold off on a tangent I, I i i feel like we may have to do a witch's part two at some point but mm-hmm. i just i feel like like i said i think we've kind of come full circle um because witches they started out as this like cautionary tale and they started out very much as villains um but as we've seen through film they've definitely become more sympathetic and more complicated like in our modern times um And also, as I said, throughout kind of the history of horror, we've seen this like classic thread of good and evil um, manifest itself in the witch trope with these tales of like your responsibility of power and like, how are you going to use that power? And uh, so have one more question to pose to you guys before we wrap up. And that is like, what do you think is kind of next for witches, especially since we have this like renaissance of folk horror? Or what would you want to see next? A couple things. I would love to see different depictions of witches and exploration and what that kind of looks like. Ancestral magic and all, uh, I feel like needs to have more of a light shown on it. Um, I also am super about the inversion of the idea of a witch as a woman who is, has a lot of power and it's not seen as a negative thing very much like in the 2018 Suspiria and in The Witch. And I really hope that becomes more of a trend as we are living in 2020 and feminism is like not even really a choice anymore, which is pretty right. Like, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just love seeing the term which being repurposed for women in power. I think that's great as it was usually the other way around. Yeah. I mean, basically ditto. And then just to further that more explorations on the different, you know, branches of witchcraft and what they've meant historically for women, like Nat, like you were saying, you know, calls to like voodoo, hoodoo, um, you know, forms of Santeria, uh, witchcraft that kind of crosses different cultures to talk about women in power, you know, cause like you said, it's not all Anglo-Saxon, you know, it, it didn't all happen in, you know, European countries. Um, which I also think is a really cool nod to, um, Southern Gothic, which I mean, I know I've nerded out 
<laughs> multiple Man. times with you guys about that. But that is a genre that needs to be explored, I think, too. The Southern Witch, like she does not get enough credit. And a lot of them, <laughs> you know, like like we talk about, um, have roots in voodoo and hoodoo, which is really cool. Um, and uh, I think it's something that that's still kind of, I mean, depending on, you know, whose family you talk to, uh, even lives on, t- you know, today. Not like you were saying, like ancestral witchcraft and and things like that. Um, But yeah, anything about women becoming empowered, especially in like alternative spooky, mysterious ways, I'm all about 100%. I think we're getting there. I think people are more open to that conversation. So I'm really excited to see what comes out. Yep, same. I'm just like, you know, as a as an introverted kind of weirdo with no kids, I'm super glad that I didn't grow up in Salem, you know? I am married. Yeah. I am. At least I'm a married. She's a spinster. You're yeah. a spinster. <laughs> I would have been one of the accused. Goody Hamilton. I saw mm-hmm. Goody Hamilton with the devil. <laughs> she laid with him. <laughs> oh, that language and crucible is great. Oh, but. man. But yeah, I think um, I, I'm here for for all the the complicated themes that we've just been talking about all night. I mean, I, I will bang the drum of horror forever just saying that it has such great things to say about our society at, at any given time. And I will be super interested to see kind of what comes out of the late 2010s into the 2020s. And um, I think a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is going to resonate across the entire genre. But I hope that there is a little specific pocket for for witches. All right, ladies. So you are both very talented, strong witches and you have uh, you have stuff. So let's let's hear about your art. Let's hear about your projects like Natalie Kick us off. What do you what do you okay. want to tell the people about? I have an Instagram page and an Etsy now um, under Luna the Spook. Um, and I make a lot of medieval and Renaissance type woodcuts um, and line of cut prints. I'm currently working on some paintings. It's been a long time, but we're going back to it, ladies. Uh, and I'm really excited. So keep your eye out there for some spooky and old goodness. Love it. And we have one of your prints uh, in our house. I haven't gotten a frame for it yet, but like we we have a wall reserved for like art from our friends. So Sunny, I'm I'm going to need to purchase a piece from you as well, but it's beautiful and I can't wait to get it on the wall. So my heart. All right, Sunny, tell us about, okay, so tell us about your art, but also we have not talked about, if you're ready to talk about it, I would love to hear about the Witch of Lakeland project. Oh man, I would love to talk about this. So yeah, um, as you may or may not know, I actually do a lot of illustrations for uh, this podcast, which I love doing. Any chance to do something spooky, I'm all about it, but not to kid myself, everything I do is spooky. So um, (laughs) yeah, um, I'm an illustrator, uh, designer by day, creepy illustrator by night. And I've also started a blog called thewitchoflakeland.com. it's actually a true crime cold case. It is here. I'll give you the elevator pitch real quick. Yes. <laughs> we love it. On the night of September 26, 1970, 17-year-old Ralph Miller vanished. His disappearance is attributed to a woman known only as the Witch of Lakeland, an alleged local drug lord, occult leader, and murderer. That 
actually happened back in the seventies in little old Lakeland, believe it or not. Um, quick story. Uh, I moved into a house that my parents had built, was convinced. Um, I had the the only room on the top floor, was convinced it was haunted. My friend was like, you're an idiot. It's a new house. It can't be haunted. <laughs> but maybe the land that it's on is haunted. Right? Right. <laughs> Not scary at all. So as a joke, <laughs> we're kind of looking up, you know, old articles from Lakeland and lo and behold, the very first uh, digital newspaper archive we find is titled, which of Lakeland urged kill, kill, kill. And we're like, wow, what is this? <laughs> so, and that turned into a deep dive of all of these, you know, old ar- um, archive newspapers that I could find. So right now I'm transcribing them because they're super hard to find. Luckily, I have links saved from like seven years ago, but you cannot just simply look them up and find them anymore. Um, And then from there, it actually goes into um, a couple of weird cases about young uh, kids disappearing or being murdered back in Lakeland in the uh, 60s and 70s. So there's a world of weirdness there. So if you want to check it out again, it's witchoflakeland.com. Um, or you can check out my Instagram, which is arrows.in.arrows, E-R-O-S. Um, I'm tagged on all of Nicole's stuff. So if yes. you yeah, can't translate it that way, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, Sunny first told me about Witch of Lakeland, like, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago. And you were just sort of kicking the idea around. And so when you started actually posting things on the blog, I was really happy to see it. And um, I remember at that time, you had also mentioned maybe turning it into a podcast someday. So um, oh, once you I kind would of... love to. Yeah. I mean, once you get to a point where you feel like you, you know, sort of have enough, like we need to team up and make that happen because I, I already like oh, sourced I some to. creepy audio for it. Like when you first told me oh, about I it and it's you. like, oh, it's like awesome. living in a folder <laughs> on my really? Dropbox. Yes. That's so great. Oh, I yeah. love it. Yeah. I would love to do that. Um, I've actually had a lot of people request it. So yes, once I'm there, if you're along for the scary ride, Nat, you too, let's just, let's I'm just hear for it. Sure. I we mean, research. I need one more Sweet. podcast. Right. Yeah. No, no pressure, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to quit my day job and podcast, even though I love my day job. But, you know, let's just podcast all the day. But right. I can talk all day podcast. Long. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Well, thanks again, ladies, for being on today. This is always so fun. Um, and, and I feel like, I mean, you know, like there you have it. Like witches is a broad topic. We have only scratched oh, yeah. the surface, folks. But, uh, but hopefully, you know, we've helped make your spooky season a good one. And uh, just a reminder before we go that uh, things might look a little bit different this year, but Halloween will never be canceled. in. You can find the show on Instagram and Facebook at Light and Shadow Pod. Sign up to become a supporter on Patreon for early access to all episodes and more. Please rate, review, and subscribe to help other people find the show. Until next time, stay spooky.